The word of our Lord from Paul's second New Testament epistle to the Corinthians. Since we have this ministry, we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. For we are hard-pressed on every side, yet we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not in despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. We are always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our very bodies. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then, death is working in us, but life is working in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to that which is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore we speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, so that grace, having spread through many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, our inward man is being renewed day after day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading of your word. Pray that you would bless it to our hearts, to our minds, to our lives, to our very selves. We pray all this in your son's great and glorious name. Amen. Just as a quick um, side note, if you haven't read C.S. Lewis's essay, The Weight of Glory, it's actually based on the final verses of this chapter. 
you ought to do that. It's just a few pages long. You can pull it up online, and it is a phenomenal, phenomenal essay. I didn't help him write it. I don't get paid if you uh, download it or anything. The gospel is at work in us, working to get us beyond ourselves. That's the work of the gospel, at least one of the works of the gospel, to get us out of ourselves, out of our lives, out of our bubbles, and into the lives of others, getting us beyond just us. The gospel is at work in us as individuals toward this end. To get us as people beyond ourselves and into the lives of others. Not to be meddling in their lives, not to think we know how to live their lives for them, but making us aware that there are others. Others with dreams and ideas. Some of which have bad consequences, others of which we could learn from. That there are others with families and problems and stresses and hurts and disappointments. Others with hopes and visions of what might be. The gospel is wanting to get us beyond us. The gospel is a work in us, working to get us beyond ourselves, also in the context of us as families. Thinking beyond just our needs and beyond just our interests. Being aware that we're surrounded by other families who have needs. Other families who need to know the Lord Jesus. Other families who need to find what we've found in Him. The gospel is at work in us, working to get us beyond ourselves as a congregation. Even as an association of independent Methodists. He wants to lift up our eyes to the fields that are white before us. To realize that there's work to be done out there. That there's work to be done beyond us. That there's more that could be done. That there's more that could be reached. That there's more that could be helped. There's more that could be healed. Mommies and daddies tend to have babies. Kind of a natural thing. Reproduction is normal. Healthy organisms tend to reproduce themselves in natural, sometimes supernatural obedience to God's very first command, be fruitful and multiply. We typically joke about families being fruitful and multiply, thinking that, yeah, that was God's command to Adam and Eve, and indeed it was, His first command. But notice in the creation account, God tells the livestock, the fish, the fowl, the plants, all the creeping things that creep on the earth. I love how Genesis words that. The creepy creeping things that creep on the earth. 
Sounds what it sounds like to me. But God tells all of creation, be fruitful and multiply. God loves fruit. He loves multiplication. He's like that weird algebra teacher who gets excited about it. You know, healthy Christians also tend to reproduce themselves. Jesus told his disciples on the night he was betrayed, it is the will of the Father that you would bear much fruit. And if you think about the end or the the goal, the destiny, the hope, the end game of a fruit tree, it is not just fruit. It is more fruit trees. Because in that reproduced fruit lies the seed that that could become another fruit tree. Countless other fruit trees. In a single apple tree, you've got the potential for millions of apple trees. Not just some apples, which I love apples. But endless possibilities of more apple trees that could produce more apples, that could produce more apple trees. That's how grace works. In fact, Paul says here in his epistle to the Corinthians, he says, This is how grace is at work in us, working through the many so as to bring thanksgiving to God the Father. We prayed earlier for Steve and Jill. David spoke with them uh, just yesterday. They're in the car. They were in the car on their way to Texas. You may not know this. They've got a son and a daughter and a son-in-law and a daughter-in-law and now two grandsons planting a church in the Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas area. I think I taught like half of the folks that are involved in this church plant, David. Stephen, some of you remember big Stephen. Stephen Smith, big tall guy. He's there in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas with his wife Molly helping plant this church. I just shared with you a few moments ago about the Association of Independent Methodists' vision to plant 25 churches by the year 2025. A huge task, a large task, but a task that is beyond merely what we can do as an association, that is really getting into the realm of what God can do. We should dream just short of the impossible. I don't want to tell you to dream the impossible because I don't want to let you down, but I do want to encourage you to dream just short of the impossible. Because when you begin to dream just short of the impossible, you begin to take seriously what Paul appeals to here in 2 Corinthians when he says, It is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. An impossibility by all standards. It is Him who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. To 
Paul appeals to the supernatural, miraculous, improbable, you might say impossible, reality of who God is and what He has done. And says that it is that God who wants to do what seems like the impossible through us. You know, by all natural standards, getting us beyond ourselves seems like a pretty impossible task. We get so caught up in our own worlds and our own frustrations in our own wishes and wants in our own schedules in our own Priorities that often are far, far short of God's priorities for us. But God doesn't give up on us. Because the gospel is at work in us, working to get us beyond ourselves, working to do what seems like the impossible. And we should dream just short of the impossible. We should dream just short of the impossible for our lives. God, what would blow my mind that you could maybe do in me and through me? We should dream just short of the impossible for our families. Lord, how do you want to use us in a big way, in a crazy way, What priorities do you want us to establish for ourselves as a family to be about your business? I met Bill just yesterday morning with uh, Brett Wooten. He and his now fiance Jess are getting married on the weekend of my birthday in April. And we're doing some premarital counseling. One of the things that I encouraged Brett and Jess to do most of you have never met them. They live on the other side of Atlanta. One of the things I encourage them to do is think through and wrestle with over these next couple of months a purpose statement as a family. You know, the family begins not when a, a child is being expected, but the family begins when I do and I do is said and when the pastor says they did. And we ought to all wrestle with this, this dream and this vision of what God would want to do with us as people, with us as families. Lord, what crazy, impossible things could you do with us? Because really, that's what we ought to be doing as a congregation. Dreaming just short of the impossible. Dreaming about those things that everyone else would say that can't be done. I ran across a quote from a church father this week. It said, We should accordingly worship and glorify him who raised our dust to such state recounting ceaselessly the holiness of Him who mingled our spirit with His spirit 
and mixed into our bodies the gift of His grace. Think about that beautiful imagery. Mixed into our bodies the gift of His grace, causing the fire of His Holy Spirit to burst into flame in us. For He has shone out in our hearts, which had been submerged in darkness. If we're a child of God, God has already begun the impossible in us. He has already begun getting us beyond ourselves. In fact, to come to Him and to lay ourselves down before Him and say, Lord, make me yours. Forgive me. Restore me. Begin healing me. That already is a step toward getting beyond ourselves. But God will not be easily satisfied for He is a consuming fire and His Spirit is ever at work to inflame in us the impossible. To inflame in us a hunger and a thirst for that which is beyond us. Imagine what we could do as a congregation. Imagine what we could do if we were all in. What could we do, or better yet, what could God do through us if we were all in? If we were all, all in. Imagine what we could do, what God could do through us, if we were all broken. You see, Paul says, and the Lord Jesus says through Paul, that we've got this great and invaluable treasure in these fragile earthen vessels. And we're content to protect the vessel. Protect ourselves. To protect our wants. To protect our dreams and our rights and our privileges. Because we've got this great treasure in us. We often sing the song, See the Kingdom Coming, in which we say, We have everything this world could need. We have Jesus. We have Jesus. But we too often seem content to put a lid on that earthen vessel and maybe sneak it around back put it in a room that folks rarely enter maybe board it up in a closet make sure the door is locked because we want to protect what we have 
But Paul would have us believe that there is no protecting what we have. There's only for the child of God being given over to death daily for the sake of others, for the sake of that which is beyond us. And that's as it ought to be. I ran across another quote just yesterday from the philosopher Peter Craft. He said, The only heart that is only the heart that is broken by love can be made whole. The heart is an egg. It is designed to crack and hatch. The only alternative is not comfortable selfishness. It is rottenness. There is in the end no such thing as comfortable selfishness. That is a rich world's most dangerous illusion. Because we were made to be broken. Because of what is inside. These fragile fragile earthen vessels were intended to be broken. Because there's a great and invaluable treasure that lies within them. I remember President Smith, David, uh, when he was at the seminary, I remember he used to often say that Jesus told his disciples, I send you out as sheep among wolves. That doesn't sound too promising. You're sending us out as what? Among what? But he used to encourage us, even when I was a little, little guy, because he was president long before I started attending seminary. He used to say, that's right. Jesus is sending us out into the world and the world will bite us and the world will hurt us. But that's the only way the world will ever get to taste the taste of the Lamb's blood. Only when we get beyond us and are willing to be broken for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of others will God be able to do in us me as an individual and you as individuals as families and as a congregation only then will God be able to do the impossible through us again I should probably clarify just shy of the impossible We were made for love. But what is love? But wanting and working for the greatest possible reality for another. Think about Paul's want and Paul's work. He says himself to the Corinthians here in these verses, We ourselves are your bondservants for Jesus' sake. He says all things 
all things that we do, all things that we endure, all the sufferings that we have are for your sake. Because that's how God's grace works. That's Paul's want. And that's Paul's work. But do we care enough? It's a very frank question. Do we care enough? Are we just too satisfied? Too comfortable? We often think that we complain when we're uncomfortable, but it's easy to complain when you're comfortable. Do we care enough to put aside being right in order to just listen for a moment? Are we so obsessed with winning the argument? Are we so obsessed with being the correct one, with the correct way to put things, that we're willing to run people over in our conversations with them? Do we care enough to break our backs so that others might see the love of Jesus? Care enough to rearrange some things? Maybe modify the schedule a bit to to open up opportunities to show others the love of Jesus? Because love always requires work, and the love of Jesus is always back-breaking work. Do we care enough to even moderately inconvenience ourselves? To deny ourselves in the least little bit? To go that extra mile for the sake of someone else? Do we care enough to break that awkward and apathetic silence and open up our lives to our neighbor? Because we work with people who need to know the hope that we have in Christ. We live beside people who need to know the hope that we have in Christ. We shop from people who need to know the hope that we have in Christ. And I don't think the answer is just for all of us to get more vocal and to be willing to say uncomfortable things in uncomfortable circumstances. 
Sometimes that might be required of us. But the day in and day out of sharing the love of Christ and sharing the hope that we have in Him is about praying, Lord, open my eyes to the people that You've already placed in my life that I already have a relationship with who I can begin to open up about my life a little bit more with. Because as Paul said, all things are for their sakes. All things are for them. So that grace, having spread through many, and we might be a small congregation, but God is able to do the impossible, and He really likes the challenge of using small things to do the impossible. All things. can bring about thanksgiving to God because of how great He is and how good He is at getting us beyond us. God wants to do just shy of the impossible. And we should join him in dreaming about that. Let's pray.